Hello, 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 and welcome to the Diaspora Daughter Podcast. I am your host, Moji Indukwe, your fellow African flower on American soil. Now today, this episode is an episode I'm really excited about. I have one of my big sisters here to speak with us. Her name is none other than Sonic Kibbs. <laughs> um, and I'm really excited about this conversation and everything that we're going to talk about. If you're really into the entertainment industry, fashion industry, and really growing as a serial entrepreneur, this is a conversation you'll want to hear. So before I introduce her, let's get into the intro. All right. All right. Hello, Sana. Thank you for being on the podcast. Hello. Hello, Moji. Thank you for having me. (laughs) (laughs) No problem. Well, um, like I said, this is a conversation actually really excited about. Um, before we even started recording, uh, Sana and I were talking and I didn't realize like she's literally been in my life probably for like the past decade, I would say, probably even longer. <laughs> um, I even like before starting to, um, before reaching out to you, I'm like, man, I remember when I was wearing Shakoji clothing mm. and all of that. So um, yeah, so Sana is not only my big sister, but she's a beauty brand owner. She's a YouTuber, a digital and SEO marketer, and everything in between. She is literally, I believe she is the jack of all trades because there's nothing I have seen Sana step into that has not gotten like good play. So, oh, thank you. So, definitely excited to have you here. And as you all know, she is a fellow diaspora daughter. So, Sana, go ahead and you know, kind of tell us about yourself, um, your background, and who you are, really. Yes, whenever someone just tells me like about the things that I've done and accomplished, I'm always like, dang, I do a lot of stuff stuff huh (laughs) and whenever I hear like jack of all trades some people try to say jack of all trades master of none but I actually really try my best to master every field that I enter Mm -hmm. because I believe that information is free and information is power and so if you are you know in the generation that we're in now everything can be figured out or can be researched so why not just learn as much as you can about whatever you want to learn about um, but a little bit about me. My name is Sana Keeves. I am Nigerian. I reside in New York City now, but I may be waking my may I may be making my way to the West Coast um, next year. But uh, that's still in the works. Right now, I'm in New York City. I've been here since 2013. I literally left Maryland with a suitcase and a dream. Yes. But prior to me leaving. Um, Prior to me leaving, I was in Gaithersburg, Maryland. But before that, I was in Prince George's County. And that's where I met the lovely Moji. And yeah, I have been everything from a model to a brand ambassador to a marketer to a coach 
to a, um, trying to think <laughs> of what else I've done to a brand owner, to a fashion designer. Um, I know how to do makeup. I know how to do hair. Like I, I really, I feel like a lot of it has to do with, uh, being a little cheap, you know, when you grow up not having a lot, you, you have to learn how to do certain things if you want to be a slave mama and if you want to be a baby girl for life. So a lot of the skills, <laughs> a lot of the skills that I acquired along the way was because, you know, growing up, I didn't have much. So I had to learn how to do certain things. And in doing those certain things, people will catch on, they will like what they see, or they'll like what they hear, and then it would turn into money. Yeah. And so that's essentially how I started. But in 20, I think 18, I got really serious about social media because I realized that social media is not just for fun and games and posting up pictures. You can actually make an income from social media by being a social media manager, a content creator, an influencer. So I became really serious about the platform by posting YouTube videos, by creating content on my socials, as well as actually running the pages of a lot of social media brands, whether they were in America or internationally. And then that turned into being a digital marketer and an SEO marketer. And so that's what I do now as my core nine to five, while also being able to run my skincare business. That's awesome. And, you know, when you brought up the um, saying, a jack, jack of all trades is a master of none, I actually found out what the complete saying is, and it's a jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than the master of one. So mm. just, you know, I'm, it's great that you try to master everything that you step into. And I honestly believe that you do. Um, just as I said, seeing your growth over the years and everything that you've accomplished. But even if you were just, you know, flying you know the cloud with it all that is so much more of an accomplishment than many people can say so definitely want to clap it up for you <laughs> thank you and thank you for dropping that whole entire quote you know people like try, try they try to keep out the the other stuff <laughs> so thank you for finishing that quote for me so i'll keep that in mind yes please do and anybody else who's listening to that, to this, yes, look it up. That is the full saying. So if anybody tries to call you a master of none, say, okay, oftentimes better than a master of one. <laughs> but, you know, you spoke of, you know, growing up and not having a lot and that really being the motivation for how, for why you stepped into a lot of the different ventures that you stepped into. Um, and I believe that's a common denominator for a lot of women within our demographic. I can speak for me um, personally. I learned how to do hair and makeup based off the same thing. Like, you know, coming from immigrant parents, you don't really have, especially given the time, the time and age that we're in. We're not in Nigeria anymore where, you know, at that time, you know, back in the 90s, 80s, um, hair and makeup wasn't really a big thing, you know, back then. However, growing up in the U.S., specifically the DMV, you know, you got to learn how to cut your clothes according to your size. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, it, it will be, growing up will be a hassle because we have bullying and all of these other things here. And so that was really my motivation for learning how to do hair and makeup and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So, 
if you wouldn't mind like expanding on that, like, you know, really um, going into yeah. about, you know, that experience. Yeah, definitely. So uh, my mom and my dad, both Nigerian, came here in the, I think, early, like mid 1980s. And um, my, my mother, my father, they had five children. Mm-hmm. And then in 99, my father departed, um, mm-hmm. not by heaven, he departed by um, whoresome. And <laughs> um, he left. <laughs> he left for another woman. Um, it is what it is. And my mother, being you know, she was she was just a housewife. You know, she, I think she had like one side gig or whatever the case may be. Had to go from that to being the breadwinner and wow. the head of household, wow. and also while being a mother to five children in an unknown land, because my mother is the only one from her family that came here. I think she has a distant aunt, but from her core immediate nuclear family, it's just my mother here in America. And so she had to do all of that by herself and she wasn't able to at the time. And so we fell into homelessness. Mm -hmm. You know, we weren't able to keep up with the bills. Me and my siblings were were under the age of, I think, 12. Mm -hmm. So we couldn't really help. We couldn't work and say like, okay, we're going to pitch in there we didn't have a job and so she had to do everything and because we didn't have core family here you know things slipped and we were evicted from our three-bedroom apartment and it was hard it was very tough because I went from you know eating what I wanted going where I wanted you know enjoying you know adventures like like adventure world and six flags and Florida and things like that to being able being barely able to to eat you know, and then being kicked out and now we're going from house to house and people are okay with you staying for, you know, a couple of days, but to have six people come stay with you, cause that's five of us and my mother, like, they're like, ah, you know, when, so where, where are you going next Yeah, kind of thing? And so it was rough. It was rough for about, I'll probably say almost a year. It was very, very rough. And so dealing with that and dealing with the the, you know, lack of food and, you know, lack of clothing choices and things like that, you start to figure out, okay, what can you do? So I started to learn how to do hair. I started to learn how to do hair so I could start putting, you know, some money in my pocket or sliding some, some food on the table. And, you know, that, that also pushed me into modeling because I was very tall for my age. And so people always found that fascinating. Now I didn't start doing major campaigns until I reached the age of 18. But when I was like 13, 14, I used to be, um, brand ambassadors at stores. So my mom would literally drive us to the store, uh, like, you know, Costco's and Boscov's and BB. And I would be models for these stores. My mom would literally chill in the parking lot with my siblings and wait for me to finish my shift. And that was basically what I was doing. And so it's been a journey. It's, there's so much more to share, but I don't like, I could be talking about it for hours, but there was so much in that journey and in that time frame that it taught me resilience. It taught yeah. me faith. It taught me that everything is possible if you try. And now my mom is chilling in Gaithersburg, Maryland in her five bedroom house. Yeah. So that lets me know that anything is possible. And I, I understand the dynamic of two family homes, but my mom was able to show me that you can do it by yourself as a woman. And that is, you know, as you were speaking, I actually was writing that down, like how 
strong. And I think this is an experience that a lot of um, individuals in our demographic go through where, you know, you go from uh, having a two parent home to a one parent home and the mother really having to carry the weight of everything, Mm -hmm. you know, and the strength of African women to be able to triumph and like you said, in an unknown land for the sake of their family, I think is undefeated. Um, As you were speaking, I was even kind of thinking of um, some of the similarities in my experience where we had a shortcoming in regards to like the 2007, 2008 crash. And my mom had to jump in and, you know, really do a lot in regards to maintaining the house, you know, and it's often stuff that she even still does today. And that experience has what has made me resilient and made me like a go-getter and, you know, to, to a fault, hyper-independent. So I would ask, you know, you just mentioned that that, sh- that really shaped your it really made your foundation for being a go-getter and really stepping into um, your truths or your passion um, in regards to a lot of the ventures that you've done. So that is, wow. Like, I don't even have the words to say. I feel like, (laughs) you know, I don't, we often glance over how certain traumatic really experiences can shape our dynamic and Mm -hmm. fortunately for you and I would even say myself it has shaped us you know for the better Mm -hmm. is God honestly it's truly God if I had any other if I didn't have God I could have chosen any other outlet it could have been drugs it could have been you know prostitution it could have been you know not taking care of myself it could have been so many other different outlets that I could have taken because that's a very depressing state to be in yeah. going from not having issues getting food and going out and you know being around tons of people because even the Nigerian community turned their back on my mother Wow. Like it was like maybe now it probably will be different because now half of us are in our 30s and we're now the new moms and new generation. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm not a mom yet, but I hope to be one day. But it's just like the at that time, you know, um, they turned their backs on my mother. They were just like, you know, what did you do? to make him leave instead of understanding that like men can actually be animals. And yes. so, you know, like it, it really made us go from, you know, being at all the African events to being at all the Nigeria events and whatever events to not even going anywhere because my mom didn't trust anybody anymore. Mm. So there were positives from the situation where it caused me to be resilient, caused me to be independent, caused me to be a hustler. At the same time, the other negative aspects of it was just, you know, not trusting people and not, and being afraid when someone shows you who they are and not giving them time to, to forgive them and just things like that. So it's been a lot of learning and unlearning that I've had to do from a result of, you know, the way that I grew up. Man, man. And, you know, as just even as you were speaking on that, it's another constant that we hear with with our community is how when something goes wrong, instead of embracing, we turn our backs. And it's very unfortunate in the time. But as you said now, you know, you and your siblings are older. Your mom is 
well off now. Um, it shows you who's actually in your corner and who to look at once things are in a better place. Um, yeah. At least for me. Um, but man, uh, something that a lot of us in our new, in the new generation need to unlearn when it comes to our community that when something goes wrong, not to put the blame on the person that's reaching out for help. And I think it's something that we're learning, you know, we're, we're all getting into our spiritual journeys and learning how to be more transparent and compassionate, but definitely a lot more to learn down the road. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, I think it's something that a lot of people will resonate with, um, whether the story is completely similar or some aspects of the story is similar, definitely something that even myself, I relate to. But I'd like to transition into your career trajectory. being a serial entrepreneur and being a go-getter, you know, I first met you, I actually didn't even know about you. I knew you were a model, um, but I didn't know the extent of your modeling. So I really met you when you started Shakoju Clothing. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'd like to hear more about your entrance into entrepreneurship and what, you know, what tools that you use to grow in regards to, you know, within yourself or the tools that are, were around you at the time. And, you know, how did you overcome a lot of the barriers that especially women face when going into entrepreneurship? Yeah. Um, I, I would definitely thank God for the internet. Like that's all I can really say is thank God for the internet because that is that has been my teacher. The internet, Google and YouTube are my best resources for everything that I need to know about. And so my entrepreneurship journey truly started back in the like the days when I was saying that I did I didn't have money. Mm-hmm. So I would do hair. Anyone in the neighborhood, I'm talking about if a guy needed cornrows done for ten dollars. I was in the hallway because nobody was allowed in my mom's house before we moved to some to Gaithersburg, um, before we, the whole eviction thing happened. I was doing hair in the staircase for $10. I was doing the ner- the daycare center that was at the bottom of my day at um, the bottom of my, on the first floor of my neighborhood. I was doing their hair, $20, $30. Like when I say I was trying to get it, whether it was just to get uh, uh, some nuggets from Wendy's or whether it was to put some food on the table, I was getting it. And so real hustler, <laughs> real hustler. And so I, you, I understood at a young age that if you have a skill, you can make money from that skill. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was instilled in me at such a young age that skills are what may put money on the table. Yeah. You can have a college education if you're trying to be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever case be would never ever take from a college degree because that's so important especially in america and in the world in general Mm -hmm. but skills is what will get you in the door if a paper does not and so once i understood that i just started to tap into my skills so from doing hair to learning html and launching a blog where I was doing stories all over the DMV area. I was getting invited to so many events because I was, since I was also modeling, I had my foot in the door already. Mm -hmm. And so people will invite me to events. I will get paid to come out to certain events to just document it, to put it on my blog. And I literally learned how to do a blog 
from just learning on Google. Mm. And then I tapped into my skill sets for clothing because I'm like, wait, I need, I'm going to all these events. I need to have clothes and I don't have the means to, you know, have the, the latest fashions and the brands. And so I went on YouTube and I learned how to sew. And then I invested the money that I had into a sewing machine and a desk that I got from Goodwill. That sewing machine I got fresh from, I think, Walmart and the desk I got from Goodwill. Mm-hmm. And I started to sew. I started to learn how to sew. I went, I went to Joanne's Fabrics. I got a whole bunch of pattern books. And I started to learn how to sew. And to the point where people started asking me, you know, who made your outfit? And I'm like, oh, me. Because I, I intentionally, intentionally, I wasn't trying to become a fashion designer. That's why I'm not one right now. Mm-hmm. I was just trying to make clothes for myself. Mm-hmm. And then essentially that turned into oh, could you make a collection for our college fashion show? And can you make clothes for this latest fashion show happening in the D.C. area, the, the, the Pennsylvania area, and things like that, to New York area? And then it just went, I, I even, to a point, I was making clothes for Banky W. I was making like um, like jean jacket, African jean jackets for Banky W and WizKid and Scales. I have pictures to prove it for anyone who's yeah. asked. Anyone and I remember those things. Um, yes. <laughs> and so it's like, but I, I, I did it because I, I'm a hustler. Now, should I have stuck with it? I don't know. But I know that I, I'm always constantly trying to see what I can do. And that's what I mean by being a master at it. Because once I put my all into something, I naturally get on to the celebrities that are in the space or the industry heavy hitters that are on the space. And it's always been a gift. I think it's God's grace, but it's also because when I'm in it, I'm in it. I'm not just like being wayward and playing around. And I believe that that's why I've been able to do as much as I've done. So I would say that is what really truly started my entrepreneur journey. Wow. Wow. And even as you were speaking, I got some underlying message. One, you didn't let anybody sway you. I think, you know, especially in today's day and age when we have, you know, a lot of people listening to other people's opinions of them before moving forward, you kind of just figured things out as you went along. And I would assume that, you know, you didn't let anybody sway your attention. Um, I would like for me, for instance, you know, when I started doing hair, my motivation was to buy a car. I wanted to buy my own car so that, you know, no one could tell me where I could go, what I could do, you know, and that kind of started my independence. Um, But a lot of times you'll like, I was being told, you know, go work in the restaurant or go do this. And I was like, no, you know, laser focused on this is what I can do. And I know that I can do it. I can give it all my might without kind of being told you know, how to move, um, which is something I feel like we both have a lot of similarities um, in regards to. So I'd like to kind of hear more about like your character, you know, because I feel like that's a character trait um, that people possess, but they don't really tap into. Um, being able to, you know, come up with something and once you realize, okay, this is something that I can monetize, really step in, step in into it, you know, full throttle. Hmm. I would honestly say you don't know what you're capable of until something is about to go, like something about to hit the fan or something's about to go down. Mm. Um, I, I can honestly say that if I didn't have 
you know, the, the struggle story of us being evicted, things like that. I don't know if I would have such an entrepreneur and hustler mentality and, and drive. And I'm not necessarily saying that you have to be in poverty to have a hustler mentality. Like that's not the case at all. There's a lot of rich kids who have a hustler mentality. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is when all you have left is, you know, this that's on the table or, you know, <laughs> you have to figure out how you're going to put more on this table. Yeah. And so I truly believe it had a lot to do with just seeing my mom pushing through all that she was going through, you know, not understanding at the time that it was depression and things like that, but knowing Mm. later on in life that it was, Mm. you know, you see the sadness and you wonder what you can do. Like, how can I help? Because I don't think parents really understand kids, even though we're 11, 12 years old, we, we can still understand that something has changed. Like my dad didn't leave when I was three. He left when I was, when I was, I think 11 years old. So I, that, that very moment, things didn't shift, but I think by the age of like 12, 13 is when I started to realize that things were changing. Yeah. And so at that time now I'm an, I'm a teenager. Yeah. And so I'm really seeing the dynamics of like, you know, less food in the fridge. And, you know, when we asked to go certain places, now the answer is no, because, you know, we don't have the, the means to do so. And so you start to sit there and wonder what can you do? Like I, my mom's not actively asking us to do anything, but yeah. you're wondering what can you do? And I think I've always had a sense of self-awareness. Mm. Um, I, I, I think that comes from my faith. I, I, yeah. I, I can't, I can't put it to anything else. It's always come from my faith that, you know, God will see me through. Like my prayer during that time frame in my life would always be, I pray that God please turn my rags into riches. Amen. That's always been my prayer, even when I was a kid. And I still, I don't pray that as much anymore, but my prayers have now advanced. That's why. <laughs> but yeah. at that time it was like, God, please turn my, my rags into riches. And so I've always felt like, because I've been so heavy on the faith and heavy on the prayer, God just kind of helps me. Like he may put me in touch with the right person or he may Mm. put something in my lap or he may, he may have me look at one thing and that like, that gives me the idea of something else. Mm. And so I feel like all of that combined has just helped me to just always feel like no matter what I want to do, it's going to be good. Mm. It's the only way it won't be good is if I, if I stop or if I don't want to do it anymore, which there's some things that I actually did like chocolate coding that I don't do anymore, but I saw the level of success that I enjoyed that I saw like, wow, my stuff is on these big Nigerian celebrities. You know, I'm going, I'm being, I'm being sent to New York to present my stuff at a fashion show in New York city. Like those are mm-hmm. big accomplishments for me. Yes. <laughs> thinking that I was just going to be making clothes in my mom's basement for myself. And now I'm in New York showing my clothes at a fashion show. Like how did this happen? Mm-hmm. And so I just think that, you know, a lot of, of me having, it just has to do with faith yeah. and just believing that whatever I can do, God will push me through. And, and like they say, like, you know, don't lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord. Trust Sana. in the Lord. Sana, and so that's Sana. what I do. Wait, 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 wait. I literally just pulled Proverbs 3, 5, 6. I put it up on my phone because I was like, when she's yep. talking, I'm going to bring up this verse mm-hmm. because I don't think people understand. Like, yep. I was oh, you see, you can hear the passion in my voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think people understand the importance of prayer, manifestation, yep. like really just 
and then not leaning on your own understanding. We are we are merely humans. If mm-hmm. you do not believe that God will see you through, mm-hmm. you're you're going to be stuck. Yeah. But if you have that understanding that if God is for me, who can be against me? Mm. Then really mm. things will just start mm. to work out. Wow. Mm-hmm. Things will start to work out. Ideas mm-hmm. will come to mind, and mm-hmm. wondering. Mm-hmm. 10 years down the line wow you know mm-hmm. just as you were talking about in the beginning how you know when people talk about your accomplishments you know you kind of feel like okay what have I really accomplished but as you're speaking about it, it's like wow like God has really gotten me to higher heights and by the mm-hmm. grace of God yep. even higher you know that that gets me excited um <laughs> so just even you know this wasn't the the path I was kind of um, girl, go, go where the Lord leads you. Go, go, go where the Lord leads you. Right, but it's just like I just understand. go where the Lord leads. Understand understanding spirituality and building mm-hmm. that personal relationship with God mm-hmm. will literally change how you maneuver. Like I was actually yep. even just talking to my husband earlier. T- well, actually, I was talking to. Um, one of my cousins and I brought my husband into the conversation about like, there was a time. I love that for you, by the way, the fact that you're like husband, I love that for you. So I just wanted to say that I love that for you, but go ahead. Thank you. Um, But there's the church we actually got married at was the church that I actually first had my own personal encounter with Christ. And Mm. I decided to, you know, really, have my relationship with my spirituality and my relationship with God be a personal relationship and not really based on my parents. Um, And from that experience, things started to change. I wasn't around the same group of people anymore. I didn't really have the same type of interest that they were having. And then my mind just started to kind of change and transition into all these ideas and all these Things that I'm like, wow, there are great things that I can accomplish. You know, it just literally just, I don't want to say came out of nowhere, but it it came from God. Like it was just downloaded into my brain. And I like changed the way I talked, changed the way I walked, changed who I was around. And it just kind of happened. It was like a natural shift. Was that your experience in regards to, you know, your spirituality and just starting from your rags to riches, you know, prayer and so on. Um, my story is actually an interesting one. I was born a Muslim. Mm-hmm. I was born a Muslim. My entire family on both my mother and my father's side are Muslim. Mm-hmm. And I converted to Christianity in August of 2015 oh. um, at a church in Maryland. <laughs> and it was life-changing. Of course, in the beginning, you're like, what did I just do? My mom's going to kill me. Mm. But I'm happy that I had the strength and the, and the courage to do that because I believe I've always had a relationship with God, mm-hmm. but I believe that that allowed God to go from this un- unreachable you know, entity to being my father. Mm. You know, and I believe I needed that, especially because I didn't have a physical father. So, mm. you know, to have that relationship with God now and the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ, it has been amazing. And so I believe that my my faith has 
encountered so much where it's impossible for me to say that God isn't real. Now, mm-hmm. human thinking, whenever we're in, we're in our stage of, you know, waiting and we're in the waiting room, we're like, ah, is this God real? Like, don't you see me mm-hmm. here? But we can't forget all the things that God has done for us in the past. We can't forget, you know, the promises of God. And all you have to do is open the Bible to see them. And, you know, you have to remember that God will see you through because God allows everything to work for the good of his people, Mm. you know. And so I I truly want anyone who's listening to know that, you know, you don't have to be super, super spiritual. You don't have to be a Bible basher. But I believe that, you know, you have to believe that something is bigger than you in this world. And that's going to give you the hope and and that's going to give you the space to thrive because you know that something else got you. And I think that has helped me in all aspects of my life from being in Maryland to making the the quick decision to come to New York City to now possibly going to the West Coast and mm-hmm. all of the careers that I've taken. It's like, I know that God is going to be involved in this because I know the God that I serve. It's yes. just how is it going to happen and when is it going to happen? Like even the job I have now working from home, fully remote. Um, was a manifestation. Like I remember going to jobs in New York City, just always being the only black girl in the white corporate offices. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it would always made me feel like I had to prove myself or I didn't fit in. And so I always wanted, I always pray like, God, like I came to New York City from Maryland, but not to, sh- not to struggle in this rat race. Like this yeah. is not what I want. Like I don't mm-hmm. mind doing corporate America, but I need some wiggle room. Mm-hmm. And um, I manifested working from home because I really truly wanted to work from home and due to excuse me due to the pandemic I was able to find a fully remote working from home job and marketing and it's been amazing and I'm so grateful and blessed for the opportunity because it still allows me to work on my my other businesses and have the freedom to you know work on my own schedule and it's just been amazing. And so I believe that God puts you where he wants you, but you also have to prove that you're ready for the level that he's going to take you. Mm, mm. As you're speaking, just even some Bible verses are coming to mind. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Amen. Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you. Mm. Seek. And you will find mm-hmm. knock, knock and the door and will shall be open. open to you. Yep. Like I, I live by that. This and I live by that. I'm getting chills as I'm speaking to you because I live by it. That was the type of conversations I was even having with God. Like this is you promised me more. This is mm-hmm. what I, whatever situation I was in at the time. This isn't the situation that you planned for me, God. Take me to where you where you have destined for me. You know, yeah. the higher heights. People do not. People really underestimate asking from God because once you you want to know why? Why? Because people forget that faith without work is dead. Mm. Like you have, you cannot be in the waiting room fiddling with your thumbs and just like sitting sitting there rocking back and forth. Like God has given us so much in this land now. So it's up to you. Why aren't you the one that's in Nigeria? God made sure that you were here in America with all the land of opportunity. 
Why are you sitting there praying and then just going to go do the, the bad things again or going to go stay in that, that, on that, that, that relationship that's not serving you? Mm-hmm. Like you have to still do the work, whether that's yes. internal work, whether that external work, you have to do the work. And so what I do is I pray, but then I research. I pray, but then I go exercise if I need to, if my back is paining me. I pray and then I go into my, my Bible. I pray and then I go into my textbook. Mm-hmm. Like you have to pray but you have to also be doing the work because if you i truly believe i truly truly believe that if you do not advance to the level that god wants you to be he will keep you in that ring around the rosy that you're in and you'll be wondering why you're going to the same people you're doing the same things over and over again because you have not learned the lesson Mm -hmm. that god wants you to learn in order for you to step up the ladder and so i truly believe that a lot of people don't see god's fruit because they're sitting there with all these expired things, not realizing that it's expired. But in order for you to get fresh produce, in order for you to move forward, you have to let go of the expired things. You have to advance. You have to improve. And so that's why I truly believe a lot of people just struggle with like the faith, the faith. But it's like you don't understand how it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Oh, man. This has turned into a whole preaching. <laughs> <laughs> I, girl, I can't help it, girl. I'm sorry. I don't care what podcast I'm on. Business, God, relationships. I bring God into it, honey, because I know. Yes. I know. No, this is great. And it, uh, the reason why I'm I'm getting so even passionate as we're speaking is because literally just was having a conversation about this this morning. Like you have to be willing to let go of things that God has told you to let go of or that God has removed from your life in order to move forward. If you if you do not do that, you're going to be in this continuum and wondering why things aren't working out for you. It's not that things aren't working out for you, it's that you are not moving when God is telling you to move and you have to be obedient for his fruit to show up in your life, to come to fruition. You know, I just pray that anyone who is listening to this episode that really, you know, is going through anything or really trying to grow in their business, in their relationship and life overall to really just lean on God and to conceive this message and let it be the stepping stone or the pillar that they need to move forward and progress in life. I pray that anyone listening to this episode will now get that conviction have that conviction to separate themselves from things that are no things and people that are no longer serving them by the grace amen. of God, in Jesus name amen 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 well you know trying to keep this a tight hour i feel like I'm, there's <laughs> so much more that we can talk about um but really just you know, kind of ending things in regards to your entrepreneurship journey, you've had a lot of um, very interesting names in regards to the different brands that you've created. I wanted to, I was interested in learning what led you to create the certain names that you did for your different businesses. Shot Coach, you clothing. Uh, yes, yes. Um, I've always... I mean, I wasn't raised in Nigeria, but Nigeria is a is a part of me. My mother made it very clear, no matter what, that we were in a Nigerian home. We may go out and about and be in America, but this is a Nigerian home. So my mom will play, you know, the the sunny days. My mom will be yes. playing all the the jam. The mom will be, you know, talking to us in Yoruba. Like if you didn't understand it, you better ask somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, like she was very adamant about making sure that we were raised in a Nigerian home because she didn't want us to think that we were, you know. 
100% American. Now, I love this country, don't get me wrong, but she did not want us to lose her culture because she wasn't in Nigeria, Mm -hmm. which is like understandable for any foreigner who brings their child here. Like they still want you to have a a piece of of where you're coming from. And I thank her for that every single day because now I understand how important it is. But I truly believe that you know, going, going through, going through that with, with my mom and, and understanding how important my roots were. It was also important for me to incorporate that into my businesses. And so Shako Jew, you know, was very important because people often said, you know, on Shako, on Shako. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to spin that, you know, yeah. cause like people, you know, cause Shako means like you're doing too much, like yeah. you're trying to be a show off. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to, okay, well, I'm going to take, I'm going to make my clothes that you are showing off. Yeah. You are looking good. You are standing out so I, t- I made it shackled you because like you're doing a lot of shackle mm-hmm. and so it was very it, you know everyone loved the name whenever I would say like wow you really want to go like spin that into something positive and I'm like yeah because I think that it, it means to stand out it means that you're you know when you walk into a room with my clothes like people notice you mm-hmm. and so I loved I loved um the name of that brand like it still holds dear to my heart yeah. and then the um my current brand now plant-based skincare and herbal teas is called Ubika. Mm-hmm. and Ubika means to grow and so this one is actually from the um india it's actually from India. And the reason why I tapped into India is because of just like their, how holistic they are and how they have remedies for it, everything. Yeah. So although I use a bit of plant-based, I mean, not plant-based, well, I do have plant-based degrees, but although I use uh, remedies from India and um, Asia, but I also incorporate as much as I can from Africa as well. So it's a blend of just different cultures, but, but Ubika actually is my last name spelled backwards so my maiden last name is um a akibu a-k-i-b-u so i just flipped it to u-b and i doubled the i-k-a wow so kind of homage to to my to my dad and and low-key but you know it's not you know not really but at the same time it is so you know that that's so that that's what yeah, that's what I named it. And, I, and it rolled off the tongue. It was beautiful to me. Um, it was very easy for me. And, you know, I, I, I love the name. So it's a bit of different cultures, but it also is very dear to me. Man, I love that. And literally, as you say, I li- I was like, wait, that's so true. Like, I just, you know, I've, I've known when you. You like- look at it like, oh, my God. As soon as I say it, like, oh, wow, it is. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know what? Like, there's so much that you've laid out on this episode just you know finding your own journey having that relationship with christ and even going into your various entrepreneurship ventures and really just kind of stand the course like being you know being your own or your biggest cheerleader um my next question will be, you know, what advice would you give someone who wants to do the same, who is stepping into, who has all these different ideas, but feel like because they have all these ideas that, you know, they're getting discouraged because they think, or people are telling them to stick to one thing or, you know, yeah. they're, you, what your advice would be really? I would say because everyone has the question about what is my passion? What is my purpose? And everyone thinks that their purpose has to be like a a charity center in South Africa, helping the children. It's like, not really, you know, like your pat, your, your purpose truly lies in your passion. 
And I truly believe whatever you can think of that you can do without money being an object. So let's start there. Mm. What, what do you like to do if money were not even in the picture? If you could do this every single day when you wake up and money were not even a thought because it was just naturally flowing elsewhere for you, what would you be doing? Whether that's reading children's books, whether that's creating children's books, whether that's being a public speaker, whether that's doing nails, hair, whatever the case may be, I feel like you need to start there. Mm-hmm. Because my passion has always been media and entertainment. So mm-hmm. everything that revolves around me has been in that creative space. Mm-hmm. So even though I did fashion here, I may have done modeling there and I'm doing marketing here. It all is a part of each other because modeling is about marketing products and doing mm-hmm. hair is about looking great so you can look your best. And that's like your brand, your, your marketing yourself. And so I feel like everything kind of still falls in line with each other. Mm -hmm. And so you have to figure out what you are passionate about first. And once you figure that out, you have to go all in. And what I mean by that is go look at the trends. So go to utilize things such as googletrends.com or Mm. trends.com and see where are people talking about this the most. So for example, if you are a, a children's book writer, Go and search children's book on these platforms and see the states that really talk about or love children's books. Then what you want to do is you want to start targeting those type of either whether it's influencers or um, areas. And you want to start basically seeing if you can, you know, host a children's book reading there or if you can create a website and you target those people using SEO keywords, which is search optimization keywords, whatever case may be like there, there's opportunities for you to do what you want to do and then the people who love what you're doing will naturally start to gravitate towards you as you put yourself out there more so jump into those conversations on twitter post about what you what you like to do on tiktok show the process of creating a children's book on tiktok and on reels you know engage with the the influencers in that space on instagram you know start talking about or, or read a children's book on youtube These are all social media sites and platforms that you can now utilize to get yourself out there. Mm -hmm. And as you build an audience on these platforms, people will naturally start to gravitate towards you and you can start selling your children's books. You can start getting money from ads on YouTube. You can start getting partnerships and, and, and influencer campaigns on all these other social media accounts. So that in itself will start to bring you money. Yeah. So you don't, so I, I feel like people don't understand the power of what's going on mm-hmm. with all the social media platforms. Yeah. Like I'm on everything. I'm posting videos on TikTok. I'm doing YouTube videos. I'm posting up reels. I have an online store. I got a nine to five, you know, I'm doing everything because why not? Yes. Why not? This is uh-huh. like the God has given us so much now. Like, yeah, social media may have its negative, you know, things like that. But if you understand the power of social media when it comes to marketing and business, you can literally be doing what you want to do for the rest of your life and you'll just be getting paid from it because of these platforms. And yeah. who doesn't want that? Exactly. And so that's only for the people who want to be you know, creative. If you want to be a firefighter, you know what I'm saying? Like, go, go teach a lesson. You know, like there's so many other ways that you can expand on corporate America jobs as well. Like you can become a coach or whatever case may be. But I think that first you have to understand your passion and then it's best to utilize social media to get yourself out there. And research is key. Do not be afraid to look at other companies doing the same thing that you're doing and taking the best that they're doing and making it your own. Yes. 
Yes. A few things that come to mind as you were speaking, you know, as you were talking about TikTok and really leveraging, you know, understanding your audience and leveraging social media, a TikTok video that actually came across came to mind. And what the guy said was, when you see a waterfall, the waterfall is going to flow regardless. Now it is up to you if you want to come to that waterfall with a Dixie cup or come with a dump truck full, you know, ready to hold gallons of water. You are, you are going to be the determinant of how much you get really. And just as you're talking about one, you know, your passion is being a creative, you know, you don't have to have one niche within your creativity or one niche, you know, tomato, tomato, within your creativity. But once you find that underlying passion, understand your audience and leverage the resources around you, but be willing to tap into every single thing that you can. Be willing to have that dump truck (laughs) to overflow, you know, to get that overflow that you desire. I think that's a great message and I definitely appreciate you um, sharing. You know, I think just kind of bringing this um, to a close in a sense, you know, we talk about Ubika Beauty and your understanding holistic remedies and understanding, you know, how these can be useful for your body and your health. Something that you've talked about as of recently has been your experience with fibroids. And as we even spoke, you know, before started recording, I mentioned that I too have a fibroid. Um, I think oftentimes, and you talked about this in your YouTube video, that so many, especially Black women, suffer from fibroids and they either aren't aware or they aren't really paying attention to it. And so I kind of want to transition into that. I know for me specifically, when I found out I had a fibroid, I started looking into holistic remedies. I've always been into navigating more towards holistic remedies than synthetic drugs, um, especially because I was in the process of wanting or of trying to conceive. And I wanted to make sure that once I do conceive, um, the fibroids would be a minimal issue for me. So would really like to hear more about your experience with fibroids, um, different remedies you've come across that have helped you and, you know, your journey thus far and even how you are doing today. Thank you so much for that. Um, there's so many women who are going through this that are silent because they think they're one in a million. And when they hear tumor, you know, you feel like, oh, I don't want the world to think I have cancer or I don't want the, a man to think I can't have his children. And that's not the case. There's so much in the, there's so much science out there now that doctors are un- understanding how to get rid of fibroids without having a hysterectomy because that's what they used to do back in the day. They would just take out your entire uterus. And so now, you know, there's other options outside of surgery such as doing things like acupuncture. Acupuncture is great for decreasing or sh- or eliminating fibroids in general because they believe that fibroids is ultimately caused by an imbalance of hormones which can be triggered by lots of stress. Mm. And so a lot of African-American women 
mostly have fibroids, about 80%, because of the environmental stressors that we're constantly having to deal with, whether that is, you know, in our, in our, um, in the community, within, within our relationships, within our, uh, the, the jobs that we work in. And so, I would definitely say if you have fibroids, please work on your stress. That is the key thing that you need to work on is your stress because when you have stress, you're actually, your body is clenching. And when your body is constantly clenching, that means your blood stays stagnant. And from what I've learned now, the doctors that are listening can correct me if I'm wrong, whether it's on social media, wherever you want to send me a message, but they say that women usually hold their stress in their womb. Mm. And so we're constantly clenching down there and we don't even know it and so you're holding on to blood which causes these fibroids to grow it's also said that it can be caused by an imbalance of hormones with the dominance of estrogen Mm -hmm. and so that means that you know your body's not having equal amounts of things that you're putting into your body and so some natural alternatives are herbal teas so some herbal teas that you can drink for decreasing fibroids or at least trying to minimize pain is red raspberry leaf tea, is mugwort tea, it is um, rosemary tea, it's motherwort tea, but just make sure that you check with your doctor because you wouldn't want to take these teas while you're pregnant. Mm -hmm. And so those are some teas that you can take. I also recommend green tea and white tea because they're highly anti-inflammatory and you want to make sure that you're, you're, you're drinking that to help decrease the fibroid and or minimize the pain. You also want to take on more iron because since the fibroids can cause heavy periods, you, you lose a lot of blood every single month. And so taking things such as blackstrap molasses, mm-hmm. iron pills, you know, Dr. Sebi's iron tonic and things like that can also help you um, getting more vitamin D. A lot of African-Americans stay out of the sun because of all the things we've learned when we were a child. Don't go out in the sun. You want to get black. And so what I find with a lot of women who have fibroids is we have vitamin D deficiency. (laughs) And so taking your vitamin D supplements and, you know, eating foods that are rich in vitamin D will also help you a lot. And then of course, eating healthier. So put down all that red meat, put down all that animal byproducts and try your best to take on all that sugar, try your best to take on more vitamins and, you know, make sure that you're eating more green vegetables, broccolis and things like that. And um, Brussels sprouts really do help and asparagus really do help as well and um, making sure you drink more water and if you can take alkaline water drink more alkaline water change your salt from regular table salt to himalayan salt so there's so many things that you can do that can help at least minimize the pain and shrink the fibroids but you can't just take this in a week and think everything is going to change if you want to see a difference in your fibroids um, growth you have to stick to this for six to eight months or six months to a year now i unfortunately had to get surgery because I have a very small frame and the fibroid was increasing to, um, it was about 8.5 centimeters. And the doctor was very concerned because of my frame that it could rupture or break into my uterus, whatever the case may be. And so even though I was trying all this holistic remedies, I think I still had a lot of stress in my life. And so I'm no longer with that person anymore that was causing a lot of my stress. But I feel like 
the doctor said, you know, it's, it's time for you to take this out. I understand you're trying to do the natural route, but I recommend that you need to take this out. And so I, I talked to a couple people, some spiritual guiders, and I decided to have the surgery. So I had a myomectomy where they gave me a C-section type cut and they took two fibroids out of me. And so I'm now about seven weeks post-op, um, fully, you know, fully healed now. I mean, I still have like a couple months before I can possibly try to get pregnant, but for now, um, I'm able to move around, lift things up again and things like that. So I would say for anyone that's suffering from fibroids, please don't think that you're by yourself. Please don't think that you're all alone. Please don't go through the pain and just be unbearably in pain and not speak up to someone, speak to a doctor, speak to a friend, you know, reach out to me for tips and advice. I'm also posting YouTube videos, but yeah, uh, I could talk about that for, for a very long time. So I'm going to try to uh, wrap it up here, but don't think that you're alone and just know that there are so many ways that you can get rid of it. Please, please, please take out, take these tips and utilize them to the best of your ability. Yes. Yes. I will say as you, as you were speaking, a lot of the things I actually incorporate into my lifestyle and I didn't even realize that they were, you know, helpful for fibroids in regards to like the leafy greens and different vegetables that you were talking about. Um, but even like, I would say I did drink red raspberry leaf tea throughout the third trimester of my pregnancy. And literally it helped my contractions feel like just small cramps. I did not no, it's actually advised. It's mm-hmm. advised. What you did was good. They say to, to drink red raspberry leaf tea at your, um, at your third trimester mark. So yeah. that was actually good. Yeah. I literally, I didn't even feel when, when AJ came out. And they, oh, wow. That's amazing. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. No, that's what they say. And you don't do, don't do in the first trimester, the second trimester, but they say by the third trimester, you can start drinking red raspberry leaf tea and you're, you should have, um, an easier labor. Mm-hmm. Yes. And even I told my best friend to do the same thing too. She had a baby eight weeks after I did. And she said that the red raspberry leaf tea definitely helped her with her contractions. But I also really appreciate you sharing the fact that even though, you know, you were doing the holistic journey and you, you know, wanted to see that through, through fruition, you got to the point where, you know, you got some advice on going the medical route and decided, okay, this is, this is what's best for me right now, but it doesn't take away the natural process. Because I think some people think that they have to do one or the other, but you definitely can incorporate two. And I appreciate you expanding on that. Thank you. I definitely felt like I was betraying myself by going the medical route because I'm like, come on, like fibroids, like, come on, like, I want to be a testimony where I say that I got rid of it naturally. Like, you know, I was really mad at my body that it wasn't, you know, disappearing. And, but then I'm like, you know what, maybe my, maybe I'm a testimony for this too. You know, maybe like, you know, like you never know where God is going to put you. So I'm a testimony for, you know, doing the natural route, but I'm also a testimony for listening to my OBGYN going to a black doctor though. I'm going to yep. say that yeah. <laughs> going to a black doctor yeah. and having her, you know, remove the fibroids because of what she said she saw. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I could, I could have continued going the natural route if I wanted to, but when the, when the doctor is saying like, you know, it's getting really close to your, your cavity. And if you want to have children, I'm really advising you to take this out. 
I know I want to have kids. And mm-hmm. so I, I'm going to listen to the doctor yeah. um, instead of Google, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and so yeah. I went ahead and sometimes I did it, but you have to go pro- sometimes you have to do what you have to do. But what I'm still doing though, is I'm still doing the herbal remedies. Like I still have the fibroids. And the reason why is because I don't know if you know this, but even when you have the surgery, fibroids can come back. Yep. So I'm still doing the teas and I'm still taking the herbs. I'm still doing all that other stuff because I don't want them to come back. And mm. so just because you have surgery, that doesn't mean that, oh, Chris, uh, you know, coast is clear back to eating junk. You still have to move and live like you still have them because your body has already shown you that you're able to get them. So mm. don't go back to your old lifestyle. Yes. Yes. And I, I think I know the answer to this, but I would like to share it on the podcast are any of these remedies that you're currently using a part of your beauty brand? Yeah. So the teas that I currently drink are part of Ubika Beauty. Um, and then all of the skincare that I create is because I saw that I could, I had to stop using, you know, chemicals on my body because I don't know if you also know this, but a lot of chemicals in skincare products seep into our skin and goes into our bloodstream. And so I didn't want that anymore. So all of the products I created were actually reviewed by a certified Eastern medicine doctor Mm -hmm. as safe for people who are trying to conceive and people who have fibroids. And so that is my skincare that I use today wow wow that's awesome and it's funny because even as you're speaking like or even as you mentioned that i personally once i got pregnant i stopped using um all these different lotions and stuff and i would just use coconut oil or a natural brand lotion mm-hmm. and everybody who sees my son today he's 10 months now is like oh my god he has such beautiful skin like his Mm. vibrant is so soft and i really credit that to me not you know putting a whole bunch of chemicals Mm -hmm. unknowingly or Mm -hmm. into my body yeah because you don't know that if you put those type of chemicals on your body while you're pregnant your child can possibly come out with eczema Mm -hmm. and you don't even know it and yes. so what you put on your that body, a lot of black people. Yes. So what you put on your body is very important throughout your pregnancy because that goes into your blood, which is being fed to your child. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, if you wonder why like, your child would have all these pimples or why your child has eczema, it's probably because of things that you either were eating or that you were putting on your body throughout your pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. I think you've shared you've gave, given great insight. You've shared so many great things. Um, and while I think we already talked about this in the beginning, I would like to end this with asking what keeps you encouraged and what keeps you going? What keeps me encouraged is knowing that I have the potential to receive and do all that I want to do in my life. 100%. That was keep, that what keeps me encouraged and what keeps me going is is most importantly God, but it's also my mother. Mm. I think that I would love to see my mother. When people say the fruits of your labor, I'm talking about my mom seeing the fruits of her labor pains. Mm. And so I would love to be able to one day, you know, go to my mom's house and say like, I've paid off this entire mortgage and you no longer have to go to work. And like, you know, I want to be able to do that for my mom. So that's what keeps me going. Um, That's what keeps me inspired. Great. Sana, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. 
Mind Thank sharing you. all your socials with us, anyone who wants to keep connected to you or follow Yes, you. please, please, please check out ubikabeauty.com, U-B-I-I-K-A beauty.com for all your skincare, um, whether from acne care to body care, herbal teas. You can also check me out on all social media accounts at Sanakibs, S-A-N-A-K-I-B-Z. Awesome. Thank you, Sana. It's been such a pleasure having you on the podcast. And we look Thank you to- so much for having me. I can't wait for you to interview Oprah and interview <laughs> Michelle Obama. <laughs> but thank you so much for having me. No problem. Thank you for being a part. Well, ladies, you've listened to Sana Kibbs here on the Diaspora Daughter podcast sorry i'm still so overwhelmed by the conversation (laughs) stay tuned to her journey follow her and follow us for more of our diaspora dollar podcast episodes until next time